Welcome to the She Wore Black podcast. I'm Agatha Andrews. Today, my guest is Desiree Nikolai. I invited her on today because she both writes and adores monster romance. Her novel, Call to the Deep, will be out in the fall and is about vicious man-eating mermaids, but it also has a romance. Her monster romance novella, Given to the Ghoul, is out now. If you want to support the podcast, every purchase you make through our bookshop.org storefront, be it the books on my lists or any books that you buy in a search from there, will support the cost that goes into show production as well as supporting independent bookstores nationwide. That's at www.bookshop.org slash shop slash she wore black. Thanks for joining us today. Now on to the show. Hey, Desiree, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here and this should be a really fun discussion. I think we've both been squeeing about this for quite some time. (laughs) Big time, big time. I want to let people know uh, why we're talking about monster romance on a podcast that's about gothic and horror and mystery. And something that's important to me is for people to understand that this is not a bandwagon episode, like trying to latch on to something that's popular. It's a legit interest. Anyone who's listened to the show in the past knows that I do love romance as well. But when I was talking with you, I broached the subject by saying, you know, explaining when I was a librarian, how I would talk to my students about genre. And when you're dealing with teenagers, you have to get to the point quickly. So (laughs) I would always break it down in the barest terms by saying, okay, well, with mystery, you solve a crime. With fantasy, you go on a quest. Um, With romance, you have, it's about relationships and you want to have a happily ever after. And with horror, you beat the monster. Now, there's always, of course, digressions from these things, but this is essentially what these genres are about. And what I find fascinating is we're merging a beating the monster with a happily ever after. And I just think this is fascinating. And it's become very popular. We'll get into the history again in a little bit, but I think it's really fascinating. And I love your interest in it. So that's why I invited you onto the show, because not only are you a very good writer who's writing this? But I love your feed on Twitter and hey, your fandom of this subgenre. <laughs> I know I can't shut up about it. Oh, just, don't keep us. Just keep give it, it to me. You're a resource we turn to. to. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's really flattering. Um, yeah, I just love that we're not defeating the monster anymore. The monster is now the love interest, somebody that we can fall in love with as well. Yeah, you know, so just to, to be clear, I know you know the definition, but for those that are listening, we're not talking about shifters. Shifting has always sort of been out there. We've seen the werewolf and the vampire romance in droves. What we're talking about is a monster who doesn't shift. So That's we right. want to make sure that people understand, you know, that, that we're tapping into something new in this way that isn't necessarily new. There is you know, again, we'll talk about it, but like historical reference for it, but we are talking about a creature that stays a creature. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, They don't look human. They can't pass for human. And, um, a really key part 
of monster romance is that they stay looking like monsters during acts of intimacy. Mm-hmm. In shifter romances, or at least the ones that I've read, it's more the monster or like the beast within is something that only comes out during certain times, whether it's when there's danger, there's somebody that needs to be protected or saved. They don't unfortunately get to come out during acts of intimacy. Right. Or even just relationship building, you know, I think, um, because even if an act of intimacy, I think doesn't happen because romance fans also have a range of, of what they're interested in regarding intimacy. Some only like closed door and those people mm-hmm. are going to read Mimi Matthews or uh, is it Jen DeLuca or some of these others? Like, I think even Christina Lauren has been doing some closed door. I mean, there's just a lot of really popular authors that do that too by closed door guys. I mean, that there's no sex on the page, but then yeah, there's people yeah. who want five flames, you know, and yeah. fl- each flame is an act of intimacy <laughs> just so everyone yeah. knows. So yeah. The range of, of interest, uh, it varies as much as it does in just pure romance as well. Yep. And you could even broaden the term of intimacy to handholding or oh, kissing. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, shifters, they just, they're, they, by default, they look human. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the beast comes out. Monsters, yeah. we, it's all about celebrating and embracing them as they are. So get to love and be loved. Right. And so, but the element of fear is still there. There's still oh, something yeah. frightening about that. And I think that that mm-hmm. is exhilarating to certain people. So we, it's a true merging of genre. Yeah, absolutely. The teeth, the claws, it's, it kind of heightens the stakes of it. Like all the things that we love about uh, romance that doesn't have monsters, like the the vulnerability, the taking and giving uh, control, the falling in love, it just, all of it gets enhanced, I think, because it's, you've got these extra, they have this extra power, you know, the teeth, the claws, you know, they could as soon as rip you apart as they could hold you, but it's knowing that they won't, that just makes like giving trust, Yes, leader, I think it's sort of the whole appeal that people had of antiheroes, but amped up a little bit because it's a proper monster. Yeah. 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 So you, I, I've let them, I've let our audiences know that you've written a couple of books. I squeed about your book coming out in the fall in a previous episode on the episode about what we're looking forward to this year. And you have a vicious mermaid book coming out that I'm excited about, um, but you have one out right now called given to the ghoul. So yes. can you tell us a little bit about, let's start with your novella and tell okay. us a little bit about that. Okay, so Given to the Ghoul is set in a fictional, isolated Arizona town that is surrounded by the Sonoran Desert for miles and miles. Perfect. In every direction. The um, isolation kicks, amps it up. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It kicks off when the main character, Mina, she's a scrappy, one-time drifter turned unwilling sacrifice, and she's cast out by the town into the desert to be eaten by ghouls. And as Mina pushes herself onward in the scorching desert heat, she vows to survive and get revenge. Uh, But for all her fierce determination, the desert is a literal force of nature and the nearest town 
over is 60 miles away. And she only has a single canteen and the clothes on her back. So that's proper horror. Yeah. You know, and that's almost more frightening than I would think the monster on some level. I know, and then right, you amp right. it up even more by presenting a monster. Yeah. 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 Her situation is very dire. And then the ghoul comes and well, shit, but it's not there for her blood. It has something else in mind. <laughs> well, isn't that nice? <laughs> oh, I love it. It's, it's, it's scary, but there's also a very strong element of sweet to it as well. He's, I mean, it, it starts off with him, like you're cold, you're hungry, you're dehydrated. He takes care of her and it becomes a mutual attraction wooing situation mm-hmm. and eventually turns into he help, him helping her get revenge upon the town's wow. to uh, kill her. But he's a shape-shifting desert ghoul. So it kind of flips the, the shifter trope. So he is a monster by default. Oh, okay. Um, who has the ability to present himself as human and any human in imagination, he has the ability to look like that. And it's part of this uh, relationship growth for them, for him to be able to show his true self, his true monster self. And so in in this aspect, you know, during any act of intimacy or relationship building, he is in the form of the ghoul, which makes it authentically monster romance. Yes. Okay. Yes. There are points when he will get shy and he'll default and she'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Mina, she does a little bit of like, you don't need to do that. You can show your true self to me. I mean, she does a little pushing, but she doesn't make him feel uncomfortable she's very much respectful of his Aww. of meeting him where he's at but also being encouraging for him to show so it's terrifying and very sweet <laughs> it is it is the cover is very sinister looking and that's yeah. because of what happens at the end of the book oh my goodness oh my goodness yeah. well i mean if that doesn't make people run out and look for that one uh, I don't know what will, <laughs> because that sounds amazing. Um, and you. I have been very, very excited about what you have coming out in the fall, um, which is your sinister, like man-eating mermaids. That's also yep. a romance. So tell yep. us more about this. Okay. So this one's more paranormal romance, the monster romance, uh, the way I have the mermaids look might make them a little bit monster light. Also they're people eating tendencies might put them in the monster light category. Right, we're just going to go ahead and say monster there. But, but, <laughs> people but yeah, I, I, think, I think they technically fall under the shifter category, but still okay. it doesn't, it, it's, it's a good, it's a good scary meat, sexy story. So we'll, um, we'll get into it. Um, so called to the deep is main based. It's an adult paranormal romance. It's set in the fictional coastal town called Haven Cove. And the book opens up with a foggy open ocean search and rescue. And our hero, Killian Quinn, is an offshore fishing captain searching through the wreckage of a replica tall ship, searching for survivors with his crew. He finds one, just one, Mm -hmm. a young woman named Lorelai Roth, who only remembers snippets of what happened and of the storm that totally wiped out her ship her crew he brings her on board 
Killian and treats her for hypothermia. And in his caring for her, they form a very strong mutual attraction. When they return to shore, Lorelai starts to struggle with survivor's guilt. She's Mm -hmm. plagued by strange dreams and sleepwalking episodes that draw her into the ocean. But the worst thing of all of this is she has this new unsettling hunger that's eating her from the inside out. She doesn't know where it comes from, but she tries to find ways to curb it. And the stakes are high if she doesn't. The handsome captain who rescued her could become a tasty snack in more ways than one. See, now that's perfect. <laughs> it's totally yep. perfect and very exciting. Um, and, uh, you know, definitely is one of the reasons why I was like, we've got to have Desiree on here <laughs> so, oh, to talk thank about you. this. So no, that sounds really exciting. But um, what I find interesting about that one in particular, it's sort of we've had sweet reverse versions of this in the past. Um, and we were talking about the shifter element, for example, but I mean, even going back to splash, you know, that was oh, a rom-com, yeah. you know, yeah. that was a rom-com and she was able to shift, but ultimately she was always still a mermaid. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, that was like a big hit in the eighties as was beauty and the beast. I mean, now be- when, when I say beauty and the beast, that's of course been in our consciousness for over a hundred years there's mm-hmm. a beautiful have you seen the silent film version um i have not i've seen a lot of different versions but not that one. Oh, it still surprises you it's beautiful neil gaiman had actually recommended it a long time ago um when it came out on the on the criterion collection and so i picked it up and it really is beautiful but um that was out king kong was out so there's always been this sort of long history that we've had, I think is human. I don't think it's possible to be human and not have some element of what's this about. Um, I'd be curious to know if there was some like uh, medieval or Renaissance or whatever version of, of even like fanfic for the big bad wolf or something. <laughs> yeah. I'd be very curious, you know, because I feel like that was something that would have stoke the imagination of people a long time ago in that way. So, um, but in the eighties, there was also, um, a, a version of beauty and the beast. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It was a series, a television series with Linda Hamilton and he was in beast form. And it was like a romance that hit eighties America in a big way. It was really, really popular. So, um, that he was always the beast, that that is on my list it was some it's on my radar and it's something that I've wanted to watch partly I mean I was a little drawn to it because of Linda Hamilton I know from Terminator right on um, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah and also um another one where the beast stays the beast is book forms it's not it's not television but um Bitter Burn by Anne Aguirre I think is how you say Aguirre Aguirre. Uh uh-huh yeah I, that's how I'm going to say it. If she says it differently, I don't know, but that's the way we say it in Texas. So. <laughs> Sounds good. Yep. Um, well, uh, I'm just kind of going backwards again. There was one more eighties reference I wanted to say too, um, because people, and the reason why I keep bringing these up is because people might be shocked at first when they're first kind of introduced to this concept of monster romance. And I feel like it's always been there 
it's not that shocking, you know, when we really go back and look at, you know, again, going back to King Kong, going back to Beauty and the Beast. I mean, all of the Disney's marketing for their cartoon version is him as the Beast. So, it, and they're dancing. I mean, they made him look really hot. So. He is totally hot. And I think I'm going to throw in that clip I shared with you from Graham Norton, where um, Eddie Redmayne and Anna Kendrick, I think, are talking yeah. about, you know, their hot, their crushes on hot Disney cartoons. <laughs> Eddie, your kind of, would it be right to say your sexual awakening was, was sort of, was a two-dimensional sexual awakening? Oh, God. <laughs> I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's true. I, I, I was once interviewed and I was asked, like, you know, who were the, your first crushes and, and, um, and I did, I, I, I loved The Lion King when I was younger and I had a weird obsession with Nala. <laughs> Look at her face, she's so sweet. <laughs> she can sing really well. <laughs> That's wrong. That is so wrong. <laughs> and isn't it you like Maid Marian as well? <laughs> yes, that is true. She's a fox, though. Yeah, yeah, but I had that too. Yeah, do you? <laughs> oh, there's. Oh. No, 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 but in Eddie's defense, <laughs> in Eddie's defense, they draw them really sexy. <laughs> what did you like because Robin Hood? Robin Hood was quite sexy. We've got Robin Hood. There he is. And that tunic is worn very low, I noticed. Yeah. Mm, he's packing. But it's true. I mean, that it's always been part of there. Um, but anybody who's Gen X like me is also going to remember... Um, Tim Curry as this like devil looking character in the movie legend. Um, I know Tom Cruise is in that, but no one really, I mean, when you've got Tim Curry <laughs> as this super sexy devil, you just kind of sit there and go, well, excuse me. <laughs> oh man. But I mean, every, everybody I knew was, was hot for that. So it's not like, you know, this is totally a surprise for anybody right now. At least mm -hmm. I don't think it mm -hmm. should be. No, if, if you're one of the people who, when you watch the Disney version of Beauty and the Beast and you've got big, strong, handsome beasts the whole way through the movie, and then he turns into the blonde blue-eyed man at the end he just has this little whirl around moment his eyes are wide and he's surprised and we're surprised and we're like yeah. no give us the beast give again. us the beast again i know it's sort of disappointing <laughs> <laughs> like oh Hmm. <laughs> I like you better before. I know, I know. So we're going to get into some recommendations here. What this is a, a good way for me to kind of segue into into the Rex because um, moving forward to now, recently in the last couple of years, a monster romance won an Oscar for Best Picture, and that would be The Shape of Water. Um, I love that movie so much. Well, and I always, I'm always going to yay and get excited about Guillermo, you know, the yeah. little, and, and I like that he actually did this um, with like a movie and a book at the same time. They were meant to be the same story intentionally presented in two different formats to give two different feelings. I have not read the book. I did check it out from the library, but I've not read the book, but I did see the movie. And I don't know if you got do you know the movie Amelie? Um, I am aware of it. It's on my okay. radar. I Again, a Gen X person. Yet, 
yeah, like it was, it was a quintessential movie for us in college when, if you're like me, you know, or, you know, in your late forties, but um, it is my very favorite movie ever, ever made like anytime. And I don't even have to hesitate when people ask me what my favorite movie is. That is my favorite movie. Um, and I have to say that Shape of Water is very, very much for any fans of Amelie out there, very much like watching Amelie, except there's a slight like sci-fi element to it. Um, yes. The colors, the music, the cinematography, the, even the storyline of a, a quiet, introverted woman, young woman um, who is neighbors with an elderly man and she's like friends with him and goes over there and even in Amelie, he's a painter too, you know, <laughs> as okay, well. Yeah, yeah. And they go and watch old, like old shows on television together. And um, she sort of looks at the world instead of participates in it and, and all of these things. I mean, it, it felt very much like watching Amelie, except this element here of, of sci-fi, which is this monster who was beautiful and saw her for what she was. And it was just really an incredible film. I don't know if you want to talk about it as well, but I just thought it was wonderful. It had some really good commentary, I think, on the appeal of yes. monster romance. So she, Eliza, that's the main character in Shape of Water, she's trying to describe and explain to her neighbor why she cares about the creature and why they have to rescue and protect him um and eliza so she cannot speak she can hear but she uses um american sign language mm -hmm. to communicate and um that's how she is able to form a line of communication with the monsters through american sign language mm -hmm. and through those interactions she is able to establish to us the audience that this is a creature with intelligence and with sapience like this is that's the important thing too to know about monster romance is that the creature has to be sapient they have to be able to give consent yeah um and so she's explaining to her neighbor that she feels seen by him mm -hmm. you know there she is in she exists in the world feeling like the world makes her feel like she's incomplete. Like she has a lack because she cannot speak, mm -hmm. but the monster sees her in for who she is, loves her. Like yeah. she does not feel that lack or that incompletion with him. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. And that's again, where that comparison for Amelie came in for me too, because someone saw Amelie finally, you know, and it was just really beautiful. So um, I do think that the shape of water is a great way to dip your toe into a genre. If, if it is something that feels like a surprise to you. So, yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that a hundred percent. And I also will say that Shape of Water was really important when I was writing Called to the Deep. I thought people eating mermaids in romance, like, how does that go together? People are right. going to think I'm really weird and strange. <laughs> like, what are you thinking, lady? That's um, fair to worry about that. Yeah, especially but, before, you know, like a year or two ago. That was a legit, like, I don't know, people, now people would jump all over it, I think. <laughs> so. 
I, yes, let's, let's hope that's true. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, Shape of Water gave me a lot of confidence. And Mm. I will say that there's a lot of similar themes that just, it's part of the collective consciousness about monsters and Mm. yeah, a lot of, a lot of similar themes, I think, or parallels. I think, you know, I just, I just thought about this right now and I can't believe I didn't have this kind of on my outline before, um, is that Ruby Dixon has also sort of helped, I think, kind of break that ice a little bit too with her oh, Ice Planet sure. Barbarian popularity, mm-hmm. so, which mm-hmm. I have not read, but I know that it has got a big, big fan base. So. Oh yeah, it absolutely does. I mean, it's, so the aliens in that, I, I haven't, read the books yet either they're on my want to read list but I've listened to so many podcasts talking about yes. them that I feel like I have a good like general gist of yes. how they go so the aliens are blue they look they look fairly human is my understanding they're just really big and they're blue and they got horns and extra body parts um but yeah like I think the alien romance genre has definitely kind of opened our minds a little bit broaden our horizons yeah. and then just like as they progressively get to looking a little less human um like we're kind of being trained into being used to seeing monsters i think so like um it's the same author who wrote yeah mm -hmm, even though they're supposed to be you know uh even though they're aliens and not monsters and thank you for clarifying that i mean it's still i think supposed to be like frightening or shocking oh yeah 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 there's definitely overlap and it's kind of like they they go pretty hand in hand, I think. Um, and the same author who write who wrote Bitterburn, she also wrote Strange Love, and that is a like if you look at the cover, like that is alien. Yeah. Quick way of describing it, it would be kind of on par with like the Alien movie with like Sigourney Weaver. Like it doesn't act, it doesn't like look like that, but that's right, right. that's the vein of how Alien we're talking about. And then Tiffany Roberts also has um, the Spider Mate trilogy so like okay arachnid looking okay which that's even uh that that's a really i wouldn't necessarily say jump into that one first especially if you have arachnophobia probably not for you but right. like you know when you read that book and that romance hero yeah he looks kind of like a spider but he's romancing the reader as much as the main character Mm-hmm. And if you can get over that hurdle, you can, you can probably read any, anything in the ro- monster romance or the alien romance genre. But yeah, it really, it really goes places. I but like all- how you qualify it with, if you've got arachnophobia, <laughs> because <laughs> like, read it? I have, that's a good way to think about it because if there's ever sort of any kind of monster with butterfly wings, I will freak out and stay far away bat wings are fine which is why gargoyle gargoyles were sexy but (laughs) oh that's interesting but i can't do butterfly wings because they're fragile and that will freak me out you know i would i have a fear of butterflies because i'm afraid i'm gonna break them or hurt them in some way and so i just like a really sweet fear that's what everyone tells me, but that is where my fear of butterflies comes from. It's just, uh, they're so fragile that I'm afraid to hurt them. And so I'm like, stay away from me. <laughs> so I definitely oh. don't want that in a romance. So keep your butterfly wings for someone else. <laughs> yeah. I think there's other reasons why uh, the monster romance subgenre is trending. Um, th- lots of really cool little factors that are just 
coming together and creating like this beautiful, perfect storm. Uh, so I think the pandemic has definitely recalibrated our brains a little bit. That makes sense. Um, I think Kindle Unlimited gives Ooh. people a lot of access to books they might not normally read. Mm-hmm. So like if you want to try something out, yeah, something that's not in your wheelhouse that might be like a little like, ooh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to like this, but I'm going to try it. There's no cost penalty right. to you. So you're going to, you'll read it. And then if you find that you genuinely like it. I think this is bonkers and crazy and I'm not going to, it's too weird for me, but I'm going to try it anyways. And then I'm like, Oh, I, I like it. I like it. This is good stuff. Yeah. Kind of going back to what you were saying about the pandemic. I think people are trying to embrace joy in a way that they yeah. have before there was always mm-hmm. so much pressure to read certain kinds of things or watch certain kinds of things, or even music wise, listen to certain kinds of things. And, um, you know, I think people have just decided to say, forget it. I'm just going to embrace my joy where I could find yeah. it. So. Yeah. And shout it loud and proud. And that leads to another really important factor is word of mouth. Oh yeah. Yeah. That is really, I think that has been powering mm-hmm. the so- love of monster romance so, so much. Um, like just honestly, like the Tiffany Roberts books and some of these, like the ice planet part of Barry and yeah. novels, like, I heard about those by listening to podcasts, like yes. romance podcasts to just like get excited. They gush, they squee. And like, just hearing like how much they love these books. Yes. Like you got to try them. Yes. Like yes. It, just make, it just inspires you. Like, I'm going to try this. This sounds great. And then and what do we have to the, lose? Exactly. Yeah. You have nothing to lose and you're in good company. There's people who love it and you can share that love with them. Well, and then I think things awakened that we didn't know we had um, an interest in before, you know, like the whole, um, like, I'll get into this with another recommendation, but with like, certain types of creatures, like minotaurs or whatever, you're like, oh, these are really kind of sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. as, as, as well as frightening, you know, so let's, mm-hmm. let's go ahead. I, I did my first wreck of shape of water. Um, okay. what would so I'll you do mine like too? Yeah. Okay. So my first one is love laugh lich by Kate Pryor. Uh, I picked this one because it's a good monster romance. I think to start with, especially if you're on the fence, um, it's got an office setting with a supernatural twist. Its tone is very lighthearted and cute. It's also not OSHA compliant. So there is on the page, uh, sex. <laughs> so content warning for that. Um, <laughs> there's been a company restructuring, but the new boss is the dark lich Lord. So he's a spooky guy who wears a dark robes and and everyone is deathly afraid of him his Mm. private office looks like Frankenstein's laboratory (gasps) with dusty tomes and vials and all you know all the good spookiness um in Lily the main character is his personal assistant but she's not afraid of him so she works with him very closely so she gets to see a cute and slightly dorky side of him that nobody else gets to see so when the Lich Lord says that he needs help with a magical ritual, it's like a, it's a no brainer. She goes and helps. And through that process, they begin to fall in love. Aww. 
Yeah, it's really sweet. I mean, that's got atmosphere too, which is great for, you know, this podcast. We talk about atmosphere a lot. So, yep. Yep. And I really liked how their HEA worked in lich lore. So the dark lich lore does not have a beating heart. He has a phylactery, which is basically a glass vial where his life force is stored. And if it gets destroyed, he dies. So while he can't give Lily his heart, he can give her his phylactery. I see. Not, yeah. So, you know, r- raises the stakes a bit. That has and... dark crystal vibes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. For those of you who don't know what she means when she says H-E-A, um, everyone in Romance Landia will know that. But for those of you who are tuning in and typically just read horror or mystery, you might not realize that H-E-A means happily ever after. And we believe that everyone deserves one. So that's right. Monsters, especially. Yes, they do. So speaking of which, um, I'm really excited, Desiree, to talk about Moira Scott's book that she has coming out on Valentine's. Oh, I was really, I'm really excited about it too. It's on my radar. I'm like, oh, yeah, ever since she started talking about it last year, I'm like, mm, I want this book. The story is called The Minotaur and the Muse. And when she told me that she was going to write a Minotaur story, I was just like, that's all she had to say. And then like the more she told me, the more I wanted this story. So I'm super excited. Um, But the muse is an assassin. So like, okay, Minotaur, check. Assassin, check. (laughs) So I mean, double excitement there. so she, the muse is sent in to kill the Minotaur. She does weave a lot of the original myth into this story that she's written as well. So, um, you know, we see how we get the Minotaur, why he's there. Um, but when she gets there, not only is he a very hot Minotaur, because let's be honest, we always knew he was, right? Um, <laughs> he sees her as this like beacon of light in his dark and painful existence. He is a cinnamon roll, Desiree. <laughs> I know. And for those who don't know what I mean by cinnamon roll heroes, um, it's not an alpha hero. A cinnamon roll, I guess you could be a cinnamon roll and sort of alpha-esque and that you can still be like a leader and all of that kind of thing. But a cinnamon roll is somebody who's like emotionally mature, someone who's developed and like just a sweet person, you know, uh, someone you don't have to, to that whose emotional growth is not an obstacle. That's not where yeah. the stakes are. The stakes yeah, are external. Yeah. They're, they're very soft and gooey on the inside. They're, yeah. I, I think the original, like it was like an internet thing. And I think the original was like too good for this world is the definition. It was from an onion article, I think. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> and they I, did, mean, I, was, I just know vaguely internet yes. somewhere it popped up, but and, yeah. And yes, too good for this world is exactly what it, what they're supposed to be. So, and cinnamon roll heroes are my very, very fave. Um, so when she said that, I was just like, oh my gosh, sign me up. I cannot wait for Valentine's, not for any particular sort of uh, you know, chocolates or anything, as much as I love those, I'm like, give me this story now. So <laughs> I'm very excited. But the other thing is, is that Moira Scott, for those of you who haven't read her yet, do run out and read. She's got a couple of novellas out. Um, one of the gifts that she has is with dialogue. She's very, very clever. It feels very natural. Um, 
the last thing that I read from her is a rom-com. So I'm interested to see how she turns this monster story and with an assassin on its head in her voice. Like her voice is something, yeah. Moira really needs to be out there. Um, Like people really need need to be reading her because she's just got such a great voice and such a great talent. And I cannot wait to see what else she does, but I'm so excited that she did decide to move forward with putting the story out on her own and all oh, the banter's got to be good i think it's between the minotaur yeah i'm excited for that yay I'm excited so what's the next one you have for us bees and honey by victoria whalen it's a swamp monster story so if you watch the shape of water and you find that you like it you should try this one yay um so bees and honey is set in a southern Louisiana bayou. So murky water. You don't know what's lurking below and watching. Nice. Um, but it's not just spooky. The author does a really good job of like richly describing the scene. So it's got, I just, I just love, love, love nature settings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it's a really good one. Um, Heather, the main character, is a beekeeper. She has 30 hives. So this is a business. She uh, harvests and sells honey. So there's lots of little bee trivia and facts sprinkled all through, which is really cool. So like, for example, bees must collect nectar from about 2 million flowers to make a pound of honey. Oh my gosh. Like, holy crap, busy bee, (laughs) huh? Like, that's where that comes from. Oh. Now I feel terrible. (laughs) That's a lot lot of work. (laughs) A lot of work. Um, And the antagonist is a smarmy commercial real estate developer who wants to buy the land that she owns and that she has all of her beehives on. So he tries to come by and convince her to sell and she has no interest. And she sasses him off as she should. He gets pissed and he makes a threat you know, basically like, you'll regret this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he leaves and she's really stressed out by that interaction. So she goes down to the swamp with a bag of marshmallows and a bottle of bourbon. And she sits down on, on the, the dock to decompress and she's talking to herself. She's debating what to do about the commercial real estate man. And she pours a bit of bourbon into the water, kind of like an offering, mm-hmm. and asks the swamp if it will send its swamp monster to come eat her problems. <laughs> and lo and behold, the swamp monster makes his entrance, answers back. Basically, he's like, I don't think he'll sound, he doesn't sound like he tastes too good. He sounds like a real asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he climbs up out of the water and all of his glorious reptilian-esque monster glory and she's absolutely flabbergasted she's just like what's happening here and all she can think to do is just hold out her bag of marshmallows and be like would you would you want one oh <laughs> so it's like a really like it like it starts off scary wow the creature is here but then it turns super super sweet really fast and don't we love that we do. And there's falling in love. And then the bad guy gets his come up. And so we love that too. What I'm really hoping um, before I talk about my next one is that people will find 
their way to cross over into a genre too, where maybe a romance fan can dip their toe into horror a little bit via monster romance or the other way around where a horror yeah. fan might dip their toe into romance and appreciate it a little bit differently than they had before. So, um, because these, I like that. Yeah. Because yeah. These, these stories that we're talking about, you know, definitely have elements of both and that's just so fun. I think it's really fun too. I just can't, I just can't stop. I just need all of it. I don't know how many recs you have. I've only got one more. I mean, I, there's some others that I've thought about recommending, but I think they, they land more in fantasy. So I'm going to stick with this last one here for me. Um, but of okay. course, feel free to recommend whatever, whatever else you've got after that. Um, but uh, I want to put out there Marie Lips, Lipscomb, who's also writing as ML Eliza, whenever it's a little racier um, and for her titles. Uh, so anybody who's read Marie Lipscomb, at all will know that she tends to, or not tends to, she always centers heroes that are a bigger, that are big dudes. She loves, she like super crushes on Jack Black. So she has like this body type in mind whenever she's writing her romance books. And I love that. I love seeing, you know, body diverse diversity in our, in our books. We need more of that for sure. So whenever this started going around where like everyone is like, well, if I wrote a monster romance, how would it, how would it look? And I love that she came up with an ogre because I think yeah. that's perfect for her. And so hers is no oh. getting ogre you. Um, so, you know, if you want to go back to what our previous Disney discussion was, you could say there's Shrek vibes. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to say yeah. that. Like, if you can love and if you can fall in love with Shrek and Fiona yeah. and their love story, yes. like, You've got these breadcrumbs of monster loving in you, I think. There, those yeah. breadcrumbs are there. So there's a woman who falls into an ogre's lair. Um, so, you know, that's frightening. Um, but he has been abandoned by his clan. He's lonely, sort of like the Minotaur. He's also a cinnamon roll. He's lonely. He's sad and full of despair and you know this person who has come into his space like with Moira's we had the assassin going into the space of the Minotaur this is a woman who's found her way into the space of an ogre um you know we get to see a really cool relationship form you know he's the lonely sweet cinnamon roll hero and um you know, designed in a way that works perfectly with Marie. And then, you know, we've got this woman here who's like fallen in and it's just this cute little story that evolves from there. I love it. It's great. Um, I know I'm excited about it. Uh, what else do you have for us, Desiree? I have Exodus 23 by Frady's Moon. This one's not out yet. So their book comes out this upcoming Tuesday but Ooh. I pre-ordered it so I got it early and I've already I've already read it the whole way through it's <laughs> so good it is short it's a short little novella um it has a Latin and trans main character named Diego it's set in New Mexico in a dilapidated church which Diego is hired to help fix up and the love interest is a biblically scary angel from revelations so it's the kind that has to tell you be not afraid because if you take one look at like their multitude of eyes and limbs you're gonna be like oh my god and oh my gosh yeah 
Uh, but if you're a monster lover, you might take a look and be like, I volunteer as tribute. (laughs) (laughs) Which Diego is like, "Mm, me, please. Um, So there's promiscuous prayer and worship, which is kind of like a nod to the title, which is Exodus 23. So the title's written 20 colon three. So referring to the Bible verse, chapter 20, verse three. Um, which is about the golden calf and the commandment, thou shalt not have other gods before me. It is, okay, content warning. Yes, it is very, very sexy. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of um, intimacy on the page. Do you remember when fallen angels were a really big thing like 10 years ago in YA fiction? Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, when I was reading YA I, there was a lot of focus for me on vampires and uh, and werewolves. I did tangentially, like I did know that the angels were a thing, but they're very human angels with the big white feathery wings. Yeah, they yeah. they they definitely the angel I'm talking about is not the angel you grew up with. <laughs> yeah, well, and on the other hand um demons are a thing too i mm-hmm. i didn't put i was gonna suggest uh gods of jade and shadow by sylvia marina garcia but mm-hmm. i wasn't sure how much into monster romance that was because it's it's sci-fi fantasy you know it's it's very much based on you know mexican like folklore with religion tied in there and all these wonderful mm-hmm. things that she does so well that she's perfection at these things but um yeah, there was a couple of novels that you will find in other sections of the bookstore. So I was like, gosh, there's so many possibilities of things. But yeah, she she does the de- thing with demons, like being the the interest in the stuff. So I think that's okay. fun on the Could opposite you- end of the spectrum. I love I love her books. Did you have anything else for us today? Oh gosh, um, I have another book, and I've got a lot of other things to recommend. So just tell me to stop if I if I'm just. Well, how about this? Um, Pick your favorite of the next one you've got, and then and then what what we'll do is we'll link to the others in the show notes. Okay, sounds good. So I'm gonna also um, shout out "Sing Me to Sleep" by RM Virtues. Oh yeah, um, yeah. This one features a oh this is actually a really good seg because we were just talking about demons. So this one has a sleep paralysis demon but he does not look human he's got like a stag skull face with antlers and uh a very useful dexterous tail um so yeah and it takes place actually you know i'm not sure where it's set but the main character Penelope is having trouble sleeping so after the murder of her father she just she tries and she tries but like she is distraught like she is wrecked physically and emotionally um but then the sleep paralysis demon his name's Acheron he comes to her one night and while she can't move and she's scared he does not like he will not and he cannot do anything she doesn't want and so he tells her, I will protect you from the bad things. You are safer than you have ever been. You have all the control here. You just have to trust yourself. Trust yourself and nothing can ever harm you again. And night after night he visits and the more he visits, the more she trusts him and herself. 
until she's no longer paralyzed by her fear. And so their romantic story and her healing goes hand in hand. And I just, I just love it. Uh, I will say though, that um, this book has some intense kinks. So definitely if you're going to pick up the book, the author has content warnings at the beginning of the book. So just, just read those first to see if this one's for you or not. And RM Virtues has a lot to do with the popularity, like the sudden rise in popularity as well. Yes. So I'm yes. very glad that you shouted, shouted out, you know, Virtues books. So. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just a couple more little light, light recommendations um, at Noman. It's a really good monster romance comic. Okay. So, and it's free. So it's on Webtoon. Um, and the art is just phenomenal. Like if you, something about visually seeing the monster really helps. It kind of goes back to our earlier conversation about like, why did Disney make the characters look so yes. hot? Yes. I find that character art or like anything visual Graphical, really, yeah, it, yeah, it helps sell it. It helps sell it. So if you're not sure. I think Ice this. Planet Barbarians is going to definitely benefit, for example, from that cover because, yeah. you know, that's done very well. Just like what you're saying, you know, the visual element can really help. You know? Yeah. I can't tell you the number of like character art or book art that I've seen that has made me like, I have to go buy and read this book right now. Right. Right. It cannot wait. So, so and that's on Webtoons? That's on Webtoon. And what's the yep. name of at Noman. Okay. We'll have links again in the show notes, but I just want to get that out there. Yeah. I could keep going, but we would be here. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll put everything in the show notes that, cause I know, I mean, I, I asked you on because I defer to you and your wisdom on this, on this subject. So I appreciate you taking your time and sharing all of this knowledge with us and insight with us as a, not just as an author, but as a true fan of the oh, subgenre. Thank you. I'm very flattered that you, that you asked me. I am kind of new to this subgenre myself. So yeah. You wouldn't know it. Together. <laughs> you wouldn't know it with all the wonderful things that you post on your, on your Twitter account. Um, we are, if anybody's interested, of course, um, we'll have a link to Desiree's book, uh, given to the ghoul in show notes, but also be on the lookout. You cannot pre-order her mermaid book, which is called the deep, uh, yet, but as soon as that happens, we will let you know. Yes. Believe me, I will not be able to stop talking about it. <laughs> I'll be very loud about it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Desiree. Thank you so much for having me. It was a joy and an honor to be here. Yay. Thanks for joining us today on She Wore Black. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter if you follow the links on our website at www.sheworeblackpodcast.com. We have some great guests coming your way, including author interviews, so be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Thanks again for joining us.